Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure that I have the opportunity of introducing special guest Morgana Ray. Morgana Ray is an internationally best-selling author, a financial alchemy, 12 months of magic and manifestation. She's a a sought after teacher, speaker, and pioneer in personal development, and is widely regarded to be the world's leading relationship with money coach. Morgana's groundbreaking program for creating wealth has been featured on ABC, NBC, Fox, PBS, NPR, CNN, United Press International, Yahoo Finance, and the Wall Street Journal online. As a thought leader on the topics of wealth and relationship, she's been a featured expert on programs with Deepak Chopra, Bob Proctor, Laurel Langemeer, Wayne Dyer, Marion Williamson, Marsha Weeder, and others. Morgana is president of Charmed Life Coaching Incorporated, an internationally successful life and business coaching company. She has coached thousands of clients over the years, many from as far away as Scotland, Singapore, Australia, and India. Morgana's taught classes and given keynotes around the world from New York City to Norway, Baja, California to Bali. Morgana guides entrepreneurs, artists, healers, and humanitarians to thrive in their purpose, attract more than they chase, and make things happen with ease, flow, and synchronicity. She wrote the Life Magic column of a national women's magazine and was named top woman in e-commerce by We Magazine. Morgana's fans have called her the money goddess because of the many documented stories of clients manifesting unexpected income of hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars within hours of changing their relationship with money. Morgana's financial alchemy books, recordings, magazine articles, and classes have impacted the lives of hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. She writes, speaks, and coaches from a desire to empower idealistic entrepreneurs, coaches, authors, artists, all to have a big impact in the world and to heal the rift between the heart, spirit, and money. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great pleasure that I introduce Morgana Ray to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, it's kind of wild to hear myself introduced in such depth. As I said, I really like your information for your site because I think it's more in depth and I think it's it's, adic- it's ac- adequate and accurate. So I wanted to make sure we share that all with our audience and um, welcome to the show first off. My pleasure. <laughs> I want to ask you, how did you first begin your, your, your journey for spirituality within yourself? Oh my God, I... Don't, 
I can't really place a beginning point because I think that maybe growing up in my family and growing up in Southern California, spirituality has always been an interest of mine. Uh, just I, in a way, it's kind of part of the culture. It shifted at certain really dark, painful points in my life uh, where when I was 12, my mother attempted suicide and I luckily had just taken a health education class in the sixth grade and they taught us about this thing called paramedics and I saved her life. And that started her on a spiritual journey, which then sort of dragged me along, not the spiritual part, just the form of it. And I think I just had a very early on struggle with existence and a struggle with existence is a spiritual search for how do I get along in this existence? I ultimately <laughs> took that to university where I studied world religion at Smith College. And I think I've always been driven through, you know, whatever I've been doing in my life by three primary questions, which is what are we? We human things, what are we? Uh, what is this universe we live in? You know, both scientifically and metaphysically. What, what, what is this? What is, what is the game? What is the design? What is it? And finally, how do we human beings have a better experience while we're here? And I think those questions are the three questions of my life. Whether I'm studying religion or briefly pursuing an acting career and then being a, a life coach for the last 30 years. It's always like, what are we? What is this? And how do we have a better experience? All of us. And just in terms of those questions, I know those are great questions to, to ponder on. What have you found when you think to yourself, what are we? Mm. Oh my God. You, nobody has ever asked me these questions. <laughs> so much fun. Okay. So I had a really traumatic car accident when I was 16, like injured my head. I was in a coma for a week. I still have lots of fancy scar tissue behind my left ear, uh, which is where, uh, our speech center is it's a very like rational left brain part that I was always so good at I'm still because I've had it's that was 1983 so I, I've had a lot of time to recover but what happened during the very slow recovery period of going from straight A student to not being able to read a page and remember what I read and needing to sleep all the time I mean it was terrifying and hard and it I didn't sleep for years because the serotonin serotonin was damaged like ugh, don't do it <laughs> wear a bike helmet don't mess with your body I mean the benefit of it was my intuition on the other side really really exploded and and magnified and so okay ask me the question again because I got sidetracked by That's my okay. answer I was asking, where are we? Like, who are we? Where are we? What is our okay. purpose, basically? As a result of that horrible car accident that I wouldn't do again, uh, I started having downloads. 
if you're watching the social psychic, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I started having these like spontaneous Satori experiences, which by the way is why I never got into drugs because it feels redundant, you know? Um, and so I would get a message or a lesson with each one where it'd be like, whoa, the veil is lifted and I'm seeing hyper reality and like the big cosmic consciousness as it really is. Oh my God, this is what the Buddha saw kind of stuff. I, that's why I actually studied Buddhism in college. Yeah. Um, and then I would get questions in Buddhism that would spontaneously be answered many years later. Like if we don't have, if there is only emptiness and there is no Morgana, what keeps getting reincarnated? And that got, that got answered. So that's the really long scenic route to answering your question. So one of those moments, I really got the insight that we are focal points of consciousness. So we are like, we, we, while we are simultaneously the collective ocean of existence, I like to call it universe with a capital U. Like we're all in it, we're all alive, we're all aware, we are all love, we are all loving everything, even the horrific stuff, we just love it all. It is all existence. And when you are beyond harm, it's all gorgeous. When you're down here in a bodysuit, it's not. <laughs> but this is real too. And this is our responsibility while we're here. So we need to take this reality every bit as seriously as the, the happy oceanic, you know, universal awareness. So that's, we are that focal point. It was like, I saw that I was seeing myself in the context of why can't I get a boyfriend? <laughs> and I'm pulled out of time and space. And I'm like, oh my God, this is fascinating. I finally understand everything I was studying in college where Morgana is a project. It's I'm like the Morgana project. And isn't she funny the way she thinks it's all real and takes it all seriously and thinks it's happening to her and it's really a game and what is the how do we know it's a game because if it wasn't a game she wouldn't have made such awful choices to know what it's like to be a human being so she can teach and that was that was the download I got there uh and it was so funny at the time right it's I'm like miserable as a human being but as like you know consciousness and soul it's the funniest thing ever right so that was one we are focal points of consciousness here to learn what it's like to be human to teach others help others love others and what was the other one? Oh yeah okay this relates to the question of what is karma and why, why do we keep, why are we here? Why do we keep getting reborn? If you believe in rebirth, you don't have to like, you know, take what you like, leave the rest. I'm just so not attached. Um, oh my God, I sound like I'm virtue signaling because I'm such an attachy person. But on this thing, here's, here's my experience. Because um, I was just in a conversation with a client and then it was like, whoop. I'm it's like channeling and I'm like, I'm aware that I'm channeling. Wow, this is cool stuff. So it just happens, right? You just oh, yeah. feel the downloads happen. And, th and this is something I find I love talking to you about right now because oh. I experience downloads in the morning. Sometimes I'll get like downloads from things. And, and just for our audience who are lay people, a download is when you pick up information and it's 
got a special source to it. And you know that it's your intuition that guides you. It's a universe that guides you spiritually to know that the information coming to you has special meaning. That's my interpretation of a download. And it's when you know stuff that there's like really no empirical reason for you to know. Like when I was at an event with another coach and he just spontaneously wanted to test me and asked me what I knew about him. And I took one look at him and I suddenly knew that he had been abused. Oh. Like I got it so clear. I didn't know who it was from. And I didn't, and I just got the feeling of it. And I expressed that to him and he's like, whoa. Sometimes you just know things and maybe it's just micro micro signals or maybe it's just the experience of being a coach that you just pick up on things. or maybe you're intuitive and have strong intuition <laughs> and I, yeah i also have a very strong tendency to know things before they happen and it's kind of weird and i i, I just came to the conclu conclusion that i run a little fast i was at and this total i'll get to the rest of answering your question but i was i was at an event years ago where they were doing the raffle and pulling yeah. the lottery tickets and they were calling out somebody. And I looked at the woman directly behind me and knew that she won, but they called somebody else. But I looked at her and I knew she won. And the person I called wasn't in the room. So they called another name and it, it was, was a woman. So I just run a little fast and it took a little bit of an adjustment to realize it's not reality. It's me. Like, the world isn't slow. I'm just fast. Uh, we're a little out of sync sometimes. Uh, when I'm coaching clients, I, I will hear or know or see or smell what, you know, what they're going to describe ask this question? a little before they do. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Oh, Mike, what did you say? I'm going to ask you this as a follow-up. What you're describing to me is what I pick up on when I read people intuitively as a psychic. Not to call you out saying you're a psychic, but I feel pretty strongly you have some strong abilities with the stuff you're describing. And, oh. and you're describing in a way that I pick up stuff that doesn't come from empirical data or facts. It just comes and I know. And then other people are like, how do you know that? Well, I just picked up on it intuitively. Yeah, it's just coming in all the time. I'm Yeah, I am. I don't hang the psychic shingle because yeah. I have my shingle. Uh but all of my clients figure it out really quickly. <laughs> Part of it is that the less attached I am to being right, the less pressure I have to perform, the more easily it flows. Mm -hmm. So if I was like, come to Mistress Morgana, she knows all, sees all, that would be a lot of pressure to perform. And that kind of shuts the intuition down. So I just sneak it in sideways. Uh, and... I put it out there and a client is allowed to say no. And I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to fight you to the death on that. I just care about serving you and whatever is going to help you. So great. So finishing your questions that this was another related to what are we brought up the question of karma, which was this thing that my mother used to threaten me with a child you know, you better not, because I was really depressed, you better not kill yourself because you'll come back with a lot of problems. <laughs> that's how, that's how I was raised. Hey, so, if it works, if it works. I did, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, so I had this download in just spontaneous conversation with a client that karma is not punishment. Karma is appetite. 
So why do we experience terrible things? It's not because we were bad. It's because as these like loving souls that exist beyond, beyond any harm, we have an endless appetite for knowing ourselves and loving ourselves. So like there's, and I think a lot of religions have this notion, and I know Kabbalah does, that, that, that existence in God is a unity, but it also fragmented into infinity to love itself. So you, you are me, but we pretend to be separate so that I can fall in love with you. There's a healing, there's a knowing, and it's, it's how we love. So Jason, you went through this thing in your life. And because I love you so much, I want to know what that's like. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to have that terrible experience so that I can know you and in knowing you love you even more. And in so doing, we heal all of existence together. And that is what my download on what karma is, is that appetite to experience ourselves. And then if you want to go into Eastern religion and Hinduism, they call it moksha, which is release. Uh, or Buddhism, Nirvana, which is the, really the same thing. Uh, to be released from the cycle of rebirth and karma is when you decide, oh, I know and I love you and I don't have to, I don't have any appetite left. And I don't know if that ever happens or it may just be that experience, which is actually what I help people with, with my work around money in air quotes, because it's really like it's relationship with life and existence where it's like, everything is happening around me. I feel it. I respect it. I care. And I feel in love with existence simultaneously. Acceptance. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole in Buddhism, Nirvana is samsara that where you can care and love, you're not detached and self-enclosed. That's why the Buddha and why every Bodhisattva, which are the, the almost Buddhas take a vow to just keep coming back, coming back, coming back until everybody's liberated because we're all interrelated. It's, it's why there is no enlightenment without compassion. It's why you can't be enlightened and not be socially active in some way helping. It's why legacy and human happiness cannot be separated. So it's where you can be in love with existence, be in love with life, even when things are, t- you know, when circumstances are really, really challenging and terrible. So it's tricky because I know there's a lot of law of attraction people out there who are afraid of the dark experiences and like, you're gonna be punished if you have a negative vibration. And that's, that is a very fear-based way to live. So there's, it's a dance of like going down and coming back up with the gold. And that's why, I talk about alchemy and why I call my process 
alchemy, air quotes, financial alchemy, registered trademark. Uh, (laughs) Because it's really about taking the lead in human experience that we come for and transmuting it into spiritual and material gold so that we can have a better experience. You know, the final question, how do we have a better experience so we can have a better experience and have freedom to focus on love, lifestyle, and legacy, because those are the things that make us happy or or facilitate happiness. Our show got interrupted slightly by the weather here in Florida with a thunderstorm that didn't cooperate very well, but I'm glad we're back. And Morgan, I want to ask you, when you think about your career and everything that you're doing, and we just talked about your intuitive side, and I appreciate you sharing the candidness of that because people in our audience may listen to you or see this when it comes out and think, you know what? I've had intuition. I didn't know what it's like. And it's, it's something that's rather common and something that a lot of us have that we don't really discuss because we don't think to share it. And I want to thank you for sharing it yourself because I think that's a, that's a big thing by itself, being able to openly express and discuss your intuitive abilities. Have you found that from experience that the more you openly discuss your own intuition with others, that people will find more ease in understanding it within themselves? Well, here's my experience. Like I like to share whatever will be useful to other people. And that to me is like the distinction between too much information and giving people permission to be human and fully themselves. So, uh, the kind of people I attract, and especially if we, we go into like my work with money and the money monster and oh. the money honey and all that kind of stuff, I will totally repel some people because they are not the right match. They are not the right people, which by the way, you know, as long as you're safe, as long as we're not living in a culture where people are going to burn down your house and chase you out of, out of town, which does happen and has happened historically. I I believe that the more we truly express ourselves, the more attractive we are to the people that we are supposed to be connected with and supposed to help. So part of the job is to repel the people who are not our people at this time. And by the way, they may come back later I've had people spend many thousands of dollars to go to the other side of the planet with me for a week long retreat who had like lots of judgment against me the first time they heard me speak. And so, you know, we are not here to convince anybody uh, because I don't really think you can. (laughs) I don't really know that it's ethical unless we are saving somebody's life. And, and that, you know, be a medical professional for that. Uh, but yeah, the, the more I talk about who I am, the more I want to give you permission to be who you are, your flavor. And it, it is one of those painful things, especially because I was totally teased and rejected. And I was the <laughs> like scapegoat in grade school. So, oh, yeah, I know that pain. Uh, but for us to be visible to our people, we have to clear out sort of the people who are not really going to love us for who we are. So you just need to learn to uh, consider that right, that some people don't 
like you or dig you and they're not supposed to and you want them out of the way so that your people can see you and this this is uh there's all there's almost a disease of like copycat vanilla everybody trying to be the same i really understand it from like a survival standpoint and yeah we do need to socialize we do need to think of others we do need to get along in the world but if everybody is going to be a law of attraction coach because they heard somebody was a law of attraction coach or whatever uh we lose who you are and maybe what your contribution is to the world and it's hard for you to be seen for what you really came here for. So by the way, I have lots of friends who are law of attraction coaches. I have lots of friends who are in the secret. I'm not, I'm, I'm not bashing it or I'm not bashing whatever works for you or whatever, whatever you, you believe. Uh, I failed at that path and a lot of others. And now I think I'm going to actually like ease my way into what I actually teach. And by the way, here's a secret. If you're doing like everything you're supposed to be doing and you've got the vision board and the visualizations and the mantras and, and you're taking the classes and you're doing everything everybody is telling you to, to do and none of it is working and you see it working for other people, or at least you think it is, and it's not working for you. Congratulations. <laughs> Two things. One, you may be birthing something new. And this is labor pains. And the other thing is, and this is really where I dive in. In my experience, I'm especially talking to the overachievers in the audience. Uh, not exclusively, but a lot of you. Uh, if you are just applying yourself, you're reading the books, you're hiring the coaches, you're taking the classes, you're watching the videos, you're putting it all into action and you are not getting the results you're supposed to be getting. And this could be money, this could be love, this could be weight loss, this could be health, whatever. In my experience, because I've been doing this since 1994, Four, yeah, I really am that old. And I've coached thousands of people and I've been my first client on this journey. You are very likely protecting yourself unconsciously from what you want. And this is really important because it's not your fault. You don't even know you're doing it. You're not in fact a failure. You're really, really successful and effective at protecting yourself from what you want, but there's a good reason for it. You're not insane. There are real dangers and traumas that your loving self, your system, the primary mandate of your system is to protect you and it's doing a great job. The problem is that protection, you've outgrown it. And that protection, may be keeping you from what you actually need to survive. So we really want to like Marie Kondo, love and bless all the, the positive payoffs that you have in your human genius come up with. There's always some kind of, you know, just 
somehow we make the health problem and the romantic tragedy problem and the money traumas and all that. We, we always, we make the best of it and we make some, we, we, we come up with like some positive value for you. And you, you, I'm just saying that because it helps if we can recognize the payoff to find it in a better way. For example, if smoking is a great, great metaphor for this, like smoking will kill you, <laughs> but it also may calm you down, uh, help you cope with anxiety, help you lose weight. So, you know, there are reasons people continue to smoke besides that it's really, really, really hard to quit. So what we're going to take a look at because this is my wheelhouse in the like 30 seconds left that we have together <laughs> or is relationship with money. And the reason I focus on relationship with money is because money has its fingers in every aspect of life, like romance, health, even spirituality, though our ability to exist, to eat and have shelter and get medical care. I mean, there's just not our playtime, our free time, our family, there's nothing that money doesn't have a huge impact on. And it's the number one excuse that we human beings give for what we can't have, do, or be. So if I'm talking about how do we human beings have a better experience in life? Well, you can't talk about that without talking about money. So money is my ideal pain door <laughs> for everything inside because money actually doesn't exist. It's made up like it's very real, but it's also completely invented and fabricated by human beings. It's a collective agreed upon delusion that one purse is worth $5 and another purse is worth 5,000 when they're just bags <laughs> and do the same thing. But what is money? Money is a metaphor. Money represents real important stuff. Money represents value. Am I valued? Am I important? It represents love. Am I wanted? It represents safety. Do and can I even exist? Do I have a right to exist? It feels like our relationship with the universe. Am I welcome here? Am I wanted here? Am I safe here? So anything you've ever experienced that has ever made you feel unsafe, unwanted, or unworthy, it's going to show up in your relationship with money. It'll show up in other stuff too, which is really useful because if we just work on the money, it's got a holographic effect and it works on all the other stuff too. So I have just case after case of clients falling in love or clients on the verge of divorce, you know, marriages having these like multi-decade honey honeymoons, uh, spontaneous healing, spontaneous pregnancy after years of infertility, all that good stuff. Yeah, but it's really because we're really talking about relationship with life, but money is such a great place to start. So it's a six step process that I call financial alchemy. You, uh, I think you mentioned the name of my book, Financial Alchemy, 12 months of magic and manifestation. Oh, look at this, a visual prop on Beautiful. Amazon. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing is I am going to 
give you the speed course through the six steps right here and now. Take a breath. I don't expect you to master 20 something years of what I've been doing in this money realm in the little time we have, but I'm going to give you everything I can in the time we have. So if you feel like a force-fed overstuffed goose, it's not your fault. Take a breath, come back, listen to this again. I will also promise to like guide you to resources free or cheap. Uh, there's always free stuff, always, always, always free stuff to help you ease into this a little deeper and pick up the pieces that you may have missed the first time around. So the first step, oh, how much? I was gonna tell you, you got, you got a good 17 minutes. Okay, so that's not that. a lot of time, but okay. thank you. I'll give you the time you need. I'll play this to you. I'll give you the time you need because I'm okay. No, no, I that really helps me pace myself. That Perfect. be okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna aim for that. Okay. So the first step is uncover the root cause. So if you are like I was doing everything you're supposed to do, for me it was originally to make money, then years later, I did the same process on my relationship with love. And at 45, met my husband two months later after a 45 year unbroken track record of romantic disaster. So wherever you and I've had clients in their 50s and 60s report the same thing. But we're going to focus on money back in air quotes. By the way, this money in air quotes has led to clients making millions of dollars. I know that I didn't put that in the intro because then it starts to sound fabricated, but millions and tens of millions of dollars. Wow. Uh, and I just put that out there because while this is going to sound very, uh, for some people, it'll sound woo. It's actually not. There's a lot of hard neuroscience behind what I do but I like to ground it in real world reality and say that inner shift really changes our outer results. So step number one is uncovering the root cause. So if you're pursuing something and you're hitting the wall and it doesn't make sense and your coaches and your teachers and the best-selling books you read, which are questionable, <laughs> are telling you this is going to happen and it doesn't. And X plus Y doesn't equal Z because that's, in real life, it doesn't always, you know, all those programs that say, do what I do and get this result. And you don't because you're not them. Here's the thing. We want to find out the real why, the real why that you're doing everything right and you're not getting the result you want. And in the case of money, and this is the big surprise, because a lot of coaches will say, change your money story, change your life. And as with all things, if that works for you, do that. The people who come to me, that wasn't enough. For me, that wasn't enough. It was the stuff that came before the money story. The money story is the symptom of the real stuff. So we want to uncover the real stuff. And you will always find it in life events and experiences that made you feel unloved or unworthy or unsafe or a combination or all of the above. And the more personal it is to you and your own life experience, the better. We want to make it very, very personal. Yeah, you can bring out outside events that really upset you, like cruelty to animals. If that is like a thing for you, 
put that in there. Anything that makes the world not a place you want to be, you want to put that in there, but you want to make it very, very specific and personal to you. And it's almost like being a lawyer in the court of existence and you're building a case against your life and your existence. So all of my law of attraction friends, and I do love you, I really do, just take off your law of attraction positive thinking hat temporarily because it's going to get in the way. The, 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 the impetus to stay the same is very, very strong in us. So if you have thoughts like, but it's not so bad, or everybody feels this way, or anything that minimizes it, that is like the monster being very sneaky, trying to hold on and keep you where you are. So you need to take away all the positive thoughts temporarily. Uh, and I know we don't have time for this, but I'm going to tell a story anyway. Years ago, I had moved and I'm, I'm a cat person, lots and lots of cats. And my, my cat freaked out from the move and, and bit once we landed in the new place, bit me. And by the, you know, and by the, I have a great love affair with this cat, but you know, cats, cats freak out. And this one bit me, drew blood. And I, uh, <clears throat> I put a bandaid on it because I didn't know better. And what happens is if you put a bandaid on the wound, the poison turns in. So what happened was within about an hour, my hand and my fingers were getting numb and a black line was moving from the bite up my arm. And what I didn't know was it was by the time it reached my heart, I would have died. I didn't know this at the time, but I was getting, well, this is weird. Something doesn't feel right. And I did thankfully go to the emergency room and that's why I'm here to talk your head off today. But this is what happens when we put a Band-Aid of positive thinking or affirmations on a poisonous wound is it turns inward to destroy us. So what we want to do is we want to uncover the wound. Even if you've healed it a thousand times before and you're great and you're functional, if you can get a little more juice out of it, you've already gone through the experience, you paid the price of admission, milk it all the way to the bank. Just so what we're doing right now is we are sucking the poison out by ripping off the bandaid and finding what is there that is preventing you from getting what you want. That's step number one, uncovering the root cause. It is the least pleasant part of the process, but it's necessary. Nothing else works if you don't do this Okay. and you want to make it big. Second step, and this is where it gets weird, is now you imagine that there's a person responsible for every horrible thing that ever happened to you, not a real person, especially if you had terrible, monstrous parents, and that happens sometimes. We are not going to make your parents the monster, no matter how monstrous, and that will become really apparent why in step number three. But you, it's like, it can be a famous person, just not somebody in your life directly. It's like a symbolic person who is bigger than life. Who, if your parents were awful, this is the imaginary person who pulled the strings for only one reason. So they'd be our imaginary boogeyman? Yes, I call okay. it the monster, the money monster. Okay. We, even though it doesn't feel like it has to do with money, 
because it's so much worse. It is like every injustice, every hurt, including everything you feel about bad about yourself. Really, really good to put that on the monster. It's as if he whispers in your ear, in your own voice, every, every bad judgment you have about yourself, every shame, every hurt, every, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. It's like, he's so sneaky and conniving that he just, or she, it can be, she, it's usually he, it doesn't matter, but it's like, this is a person whose sole reason for existence is to destroy you ultimately kill you, but in the slowest, most gradual way so that you just give up on wanting to live. That's how serious it is. People commit suicide over money all the time, but the monster doesn't feel like money. It feels like life. I'm not good enough. I'm not loved. I'm not safe. I'm not wanted here. I don't want to be here. And you want to put it all on a person who is not you and not your parents not somebody in your immediate life, somebody symbolic, but can feel very, very real to you because we want to make it real because that's what uh, takes it out of abstract, oh, you know, just detached musings where dramatic life change doesn't happen. We want to make it real and immediate, like full body spiritual experience. That is both on a spiritual level, but also on a neurological level, how we change lifelong patterns in five minutes or 30 seconds. (laughs) It's why just a single instant changes your life forever and changes your behavior forever. So we want to recreate that in a safe environment for a positive change. So once you have this horrible monster person that we call, you know, for the sake of my purpose, your money monster, even though it doesn't feel like money, it feels like life. This is actually your relationship with life and your relationship with money. And when you see how dangerous and repulsive it is, it's like suddenly all of your money drama makes sense, whether you don't have enough or you have hundreds of millions and you're worried about losing it and all the drama that it's attracting. Because I've coached public assistance to literally a billionaire. And human beings have money drama. And you only think that more money makes it go away when you don't have money, right? <laughs> but I, so what we want to do is wherever you are, wherever you on the, are on the journey, we want to change your relationship with money so that not only can you have a lot of it, but you can have a lot of it and keep it and have it be a force for love, lifestyle, legacy, positive happiness for you and the world. So that's why we do what we do. So the monster is everything that prevents that from happening. It's like a spiritual teacher that gets your attention, but it's also gonna destroy you if you don't get the message. So we have this horrible, horrible monster. And then it's like my mother who was totally into uh, Highlander, that old TV show in the 80s, which I never watched, but I do remember. <laughs> I remember. I, I, I remember there can only be one, that statement. So here you have the monster and you have you, and there can only be one because the monster exists to destroy you and only one of you is going to survive. So you have to decide who gets to stay. I encourage you to choose yourself 
and imagine destroying or act out or anything that works for you, destroying the monster by any, any imaginary means necessary. And it can be really hard and it can be really dramatic or it can be easy. It's, there's no value. The, the, the goal here is not that it, uh, it, it's gonna be what it needs to be for you, okay? It's gonna be what it needs to be for you. Uh, and it really, so easy or hard, there's no value difference. You're gonna, you're gonna have the experience that you exactly need. That sometimes there is a value in it being harder because it calls forth more from you and, and, and it's really dramatic. But I, but honestly, if it's easy, that's good too, especially if I'm coaching, I really like it to be easy, but that doesn't matter. So the point is you destroy the monster. You could imagine blowing it up with a bomb, throwing it in a fiery pit, a machete, a knife, you know, I'm uh, laser like star wars i'm just throwing out lots of things uh, meat grinder has shown i was up. thinking i was thinking of dig dug it's a show any it's a it's an arcade game you pump it up and you blow it up that's what i thought i love of. that <laughs> i love that so whatever works for you and then make sure to get rid of all the bloody bits okay and from a spiritual standpoint i know we love to be you know peace and light and all that <laughs> which i am in real life but there's also we're, we are, we are really exploring the sacredness of our victim experience. I got a word for you. Disinfect yeah. the money monster, right? I we're disinfecting that. it with light, right? So we're not destroying it, but we're disinfecting it. Well, I actually want to destroy or it. Or destroy it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we need to create a vacuum. Okay. So, uh, we don't want any, we don't want any monster bits that can come back to life later. So okay. the first part, we're really like digging into like, uh the goddess psyche uh there's the in the goddess inanna you know there's a lot of the going into the underworld and coming back mythology this is what we're doing and step number one is diving into the sacredness of our victim experience to get the treasure that's hidden there then we need to personify the monster because we can destroy the monster and, and, and when the monster is gone, then there's a vacuum because it was there our whole life. So it's going to feel different. For some people, it may feel scary. For some people, it may feel fantastic and light and buoyant. As some people, it just feels empty. All of those experiences are great. They're all great. I just am listening for, whoa this is different. There was something here my whole life and now it's gone. Now what? And that's when, because nature abhors a vacuum and we don't want any monsters coming back, which is why we want to get rid of all the bloody bits. Now we bring in all that's left, which is love. When everything that doesn't belong in your world and makes you not want to live and upsets you is gone all that all that exists is love and we bring in a new person who embodies love embodies love for you and loves you more than anybody else in the world this is really really important especially for people whose wound is not me second best 
all that, all that kind of not good enough. This, this person has chosen you over everybody in the world. This is your relationship with life, love, and money. We're going to call it money because money is the area that needs your love and healing at this moment. So that this is what I call the money, honey, but it doesn't feel like money. It feels like, whoa, what a gorgeous person who's in love with me. Yowza. Which is a very, when I went through this experience by accident and spontaneously back in 2003, it was like, this is weird because I knew it was money, but money showed up in this like tall, dark, handsome, romantic young man in a tuxedo and a bouquet of red flowers, totally safe, totally respectful, totally romantic and totally in love with me. And I was like, what? Wow. And I could feel his vulnerability because I was the one who'd been rejecting him all those years. You have the body, you have the power in the relationship. When it's a monster, it feels like money has all the power in the story. But when it's your money, honey, you have the power and this person loves you. By the way, this person also is bigger and more powerful than the monster was. So you want to make the monster really, really big and powerful so that the honey can be even more big and powerful. But you have the power in this relationship. You're the doorkeeper. So you, this is a person who loves you and is safe who you want. And because it feels so real and so personal, now you get to have a conversation. So step number four is you meet the money, honey. Step number five, Oh, wait. Yeah. Step number five, getting my fingers right, is now you have a conversation. My first question with my money, honey, which is, you know, I think a good one and I encourage you to use is what do you need from me to stay with me? What, what do you need from me so you can stay with me the way you want to? And then listen for the answer. This is where your intuition shows up. Because, and I'll warn you, the answer may come so quick and soft, however you receive information, that you can pretend you didn't hear it or feel it or see it. And that's how we, that's how you start to learn to recognize your own intuition. What do you need from me so you can stay with me the way you want to? And then listen. Or if you're very if you're into feeling, writing it out, like Neil Donald Walsh wrote his book, Conversations with God, write out your conversations with your money, honey. That's a great way to get it going. And then see what comes up. And now in my experience, the initial response tends to be very sort of abstract and Yoda-like. <laughs> so it'll be things like love yourself or relax, which is the worst thing to say to a woman, trust you know, divine um, timing, <laughs> you know, mine said, I need you to love me and stop treating me like a monster. And I felt so deeply the hurt and the vulnerability. So it's not the, that real misguided nonsense. The love of money is the root of all evil. First of all, love, let's start with that. Love is not evil. Love is not greed. Love is not exploitation. Love does not steal from others. Love does not hurt others. Love is not scarcity. Love is not 
envy. Uh, like we can look at what other people have and want that, but it's not like love does not need to make others less. That's none of that is love. Uh, and the original Aramaic translation actually was uh, the worship of money can cause problems. And I would say, well, duh, yeah. Like no question there, but love, love is generous. Love is expansive. Love is noble. Love is uh, confident. Love is like that, that just expansive selflessness of joy and abundance pouring over. That is love. Love is the desire to help and make others happy too. And, and to also love yourself. So when I, when, when my money, honey said, I need you to love me, it was coming from that, that kindness of, of like, just, it felt like a really worthy of love, admiration, trust partner who loved me. I love that. That's what we're talking about. And so the stop treating him like a monster was every time somebody would try to hire me. And, and people were trying to hire me all the time. All of my ick and discomfort about money and accepting money in exchange for helping people, like all that weirdness would bubble up and, and push them away. People who wanted to hire me would disappear because of my own discomfort. Like, how do you work? What do you charge? You know, and I would- I remember that. Right? Yeah. So I've made a commitment to my money, honey, that next time he brought me a gift, I would say, thank you. And what that would look like in practical terms was if somebody wanted to hire me, I would state my fee and I would let them hire me, which sounds ridiculous. And I sincerely hope anybody listening or watching is not as bad as I was at that time. But back in the beginning of 2003, even with my Ivy League education and way too many coaching certifications and tons of testimonials and movie star clients and, and really good at marketing and the, you know, the website and the brochures, because we had brochures back then and business cards and taglines and all that kind of stuff. And the classes and overcoming sales objections, I managed to make a hundred dollars a month living in Los Angeles, like poster child for total and complete economic failure because no matter how much I did right, I had, you know, money repulsive superpowers. That, that was my before picture that I probably should have shared at the beginning of the story. But af after making that commitment with my money, honey, that next time he brought me a gift, I would say, thank you. Four people called me within 24 hours and hired me for double what I'd ever charged before in my life. And they have kept coming and kept coming. I needed to create programs. I had waiting lists. I have group programs now. Now I have my book, Financial Alchemy, 12 Months of Magic and Manifestation, so people can coach themselves. My, and by the way, the people who have breakthroughs on their own end up being my best clients because they, they have the resources. <laughs> they know that what I do works on them. And we can go deeper. So my client, Pam, had her first quarter of a million dollar sales month before she ever hired me just working with my book, which you can find on Amazon. Now, I'm not telling anybody not to hire me. I love it, love it, love when people hire me. If you want to hire me, my experience is the people who are going to hire me just know it. 
So I, I don't need to sell myself as a coach to anybody. Like if you want to work with me, you know it. And then you just go to my website and you fill out the application so I can know more about you. And we have a conversation and we see if it works or not. So let's move on. Step number six is concrete measurable action. That was the conversation that I had after the conversation. It was when somebody showed up and they wanted to hire me instead of doing all of the things that I was unconsciously doing to push the sale away that I had no idea that I was doing. I had that energy of like, this is my guy and he's so sweet and I'm not going to treat him like a monster. I'm going to, this is my offer became an act of love. Like I was Santa Claus and that energy when it is sincere and authentic is very, very attractive. And, and I am not here to teach anybody to overcharge, but I am going to say that undercharging is just as out of integrity. And I really want you to take that in for a moment. It's disrespectful to the gift that you were given and you developed imagine, imagine your gift was its own person. And, and when you betray yourself through undercharging and undervaluing, it breaks your money, honey's heart. And that was another painful lesson that I figured out a year later was that if it was like, I was cheating on my boyfriend <laughs> with people who didn't value me. And he's like, Oh, I get the message. You don't want me around. So when you're setting your fees for whatever you do or sell or charge, uh, I encourage you to cuddle with your imaginary money, honey. I love that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then have that conversation with your money, honey, and you can negotiate until you find that number that both of you can sign off on. And it may stretch you because when you charge more, if you're the kind of person that I think I'm speaking to, and you come from this, I want to save the world, I want to help people, I want to be a good person, what happens is when you charge more, more is at stake, and it spontaneously forces you, calls forth in you to be even better. To, to be even more effective. So, and, and that is good for the world. And that is way more generous than giving it away for free as if the person in front of you is helpless. It also, by the way, charging, and this is really, really important too, is you are respecting the person in front of you as an adult. And you are giving them the opportunity to invest in themselves because when they hire you or they buy something, they're not buying you or the thing, they are buying their belief in themselves or what they want for themselves. Wow. If you don't believe in them, don't take them as a client. Don't, 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 don't. There's plenty out there that you can, it just means they're not your person and they're somebody else's person. And they may have a need that you can't meet. And you will always regret 
taking that person. So it's just like dating, release them with love for where they, you know, for their right person. And only, only take as clients, people you can love and believe in and you will get better results. And then you just state your fee, you shut up and you let them make a decision like an adult. And even if it's really, really stretchy for them and they don't know how they're gonna pay for it, the act of raising the money is transformational too. It takes a lot more to raise money you don't have than to just write a check that you have. And when you know somebody stretched themselves and worked that hard to invest, holy cow, you are going to show up a thousand percent to make sure that their investment and their faith in you and their trust was not wasted. And that's good for the planet too. So I threw in a lot that I didn't expect. I love. Stuff just comes uh, down. I'll say this. When I'm listening to your methodology, I see a journey, a journey internally, a journey externally, a journey spiritually. And then I also see discernment that you have to decide what type of steps you want to take to kill the money monster, destroy it, replace it with the money, honey, and, and warm up, cuddle with it, get kind of in tune with not only your relationship with yourself, but how you are viewing these other issues from the past that might be affecting you and causing blockages. That's, I mean, that's my take on it is that you yeah. help liberate yourself from your own negativity of the past that limits your ability to have your relationship with money, your money monster. And it forces you to have to make the right decisions in your life to take control of the situation and do it in a way where you're, where you're doing it with love and impact. I'm magical, but I'm incredibly practical. And even more than liberating yourself, what if we got to use all the negativity and make it work for us? I have to share something else. You're oh, talking you about it. how much the chargers, I know we're like, how much the charge, that was one of my biggest challenges when I started out as a, as a psychic, because I have a certain rate I charge as a lawyer and I had a hard time charging anybody for 10 years. I never charged any friends or family or people who knew about me privately before I came out of the psychic closet. So now that I'm out there and I do this regularly, I, I charge 75 bucks for a half hour. I'm not ashamed of that. And my mom and I were discussing this actually recently. And she's like, you're going to keep your rates low, right? And I said, well, I'm going to fluctuate based on, on supply and demand and based on how I feel about it. And so the things you just brought up kind of resonate with me about how to evaluate what you charge for the actual trans, transaction, but it's an energetic transaction as well. You want to charge enough so that your, your money, honey, is paid properly, right? But so you don't want to underpay. So that she feels valued. Exactly. You, do, you don't want her to feel like some cheap throwaway whore. Exactly. exactly. So you're going to have a conversation with her after this, because while you're 75 for a half hour right now, I know this podcast is going to be up for a long time, and that's not going to be your rate. Correct. Pretty, I would say, very soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Just, just putting that out there. I agree, I agree. I, I love everything that you just shared. It's like the secrets of, of it's like secret, secret tools in the shed. You know, you grab them out, you, you, you dabble with them, and then you create this new thing, the new reality, the new scope of it. And a lot of people are scared when they think of money or wealth. They, they get, they get kind of frozen up when you think, how am I gonna, how am I gonna do better with my wealth in my life, or how am I gonna create abundance and have a good relationship with money? You decide for all that. Well. 
there have been scientific studies that when the topic of money comes up, even if it's pretend money, even if it's monopoly money, human behavior changes instantly. Like if you're at a birthday party and everybody's all lovey, 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 generous, happy, and the topic of money comes up, it shuts down. All those, all those gooey, yummy, connected feelings shut down and we become very selfish and survival oriented because that's what money represents. There was the study in 2009 where they showed people monopoly money and then they had an actor walk by and drop pencils. And the people who saw the monopoly money did not help the woman pick up the pencils. The people who did not see the monopoly money did because money just, it, it like, it shuts down the, the genius part, frontal lobe part, uh, Actually, that may not be strictly true, but it does shut down the, the emotional related parts of us and it and it like lights up our our survival basic, you know, animal, you know, what's in it for me impulses. And it's not anybody in particular. This is just this is everybody. So what I needed to do was I needed to. And I didn't know I was doing this until I've like reverse engineered what happened to me and what I do for other people. But what I'm doing is I'm rewiring our autonomic response to the topic of money to put it on the same team as love instead of have it on opposite teams. Now, I'm also gonna say it's not a silver bullet one-time thing, just like, you know, I'm marrying my husband a hundred times in a hundred countries, uh, which is another story after I slayed my monster. It's like, what's really funny is when you get rid of the monster, it's like all that pent up energy of what wanted to be in your life shows how much bigger than you may have expected. So like the abundance of weddings after all those years, you know, I got married for the first time at 47 and we're really making up for it. How many, how many countries have you made it to so far? Just our audience. 25 weddings in 20 countries. And then, and then, you know, shut down for the pandemic. And so we'll just have to like make up for lost time um, now that things are opening up again. So uh, with the, with the relationship with money, just like my relationship with my husband, it is, it's a daily relationship. Things happen in life, whether it's in your personal life or out around you that go, oh, that's awful. Ooh, I'm feeling bad or scared or angry or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm discerning that this is not okay. And it can make the world feel unsafe. Absolutely. Because things in the world really are unsafe. So you're not delusional, but how are we going to relate to life and existence anyway, while we're here, even with the challenges? And this goes back to like, what we were talking about 30 hours ago, where, yeah, we've got climate change, yikes, and we've got violence and fascism happening, and I'm not going to get political, yeah. like in the planet. Uh, so yeah, there's stuff that needs to be addressed while we're in bodysuits, because that's part of our job here on the planet, systemic stuff. And but 
if we can periodically check in with how we're feeling with life and existence, and very often it'll show up, whoa, I was making all this money. Now it's drying up. What's going on? Oh, spiritual teacher. Maybe there's a money monster there. Oh, there's the monster. Destroy the monster. New money, honey. And your new money, honey, shares your values and wants to be your partner in creating the world you want to live in. Be, and that way, making money to create a legacy and live a great life and have the freedom to have wonderful relationships with healthy boundaries becomes your life's work. And that's what makes your money, honey, happy. So the more loving you are and the more you fulfill your life purpose, the more you prosper. I love that. Love, lifestyle, legacy. I love that. As a, as a paradigm to look at in terms of once you slay your money monster and you have your money, honey, and you're cuddling up with your money, honey, and you're determining your, I'm going to think of all that if I choose, if and when I choose to increase my rates, I'm going to cuddle up with my money, honey. I'm going to think of your, you, I wrote down my notes and I'm going to read your book of two more so, of course, but I'm going to, I'm going to employ this as a strategy with myself in terms of, and, and for clients I work with, I'm going to direct them to you. Sounds like to create your own self-worth and to create your own value. It, it's, it's important to incorporate these kinds of things. For you specifically, Jason, but also for everybody else listening, here's how you know it's time to raise your rates. One or one of two things or both happen. Uh, people start stop hiring you because you're charging too low, which goes against what I learned in, you know, <laughs> macroeconomics, but it's true when you're charging too low and it's out of integrity, it becomes repulsive. Okay. I actually had a stranger email me in 2007 telling me that he couldn't he that my, my testimonials looked unbelievable because I was charging so little. <laughs> the most useful feedback that I had ever heard coming because I was raised by a depression era daddy. Sure. Right. Um, and that charging too little made me repulsive or not credible. It was like, whoa. And here's the funny thing. I, I increased my fee like 500% and suddenly had 20 people hire me. <laughs> so just something to drop in the hat. So when, when, when it starts drying up, that is one possibility that, oh, I've outgrown my fee. The other one is if you feel that kind of crushing, sinking, I get it in my chest, like of self-betrayal, like, ooh, um, this is feeling heavy. I'm not enjoying it anymore. It's feeling like heavy lifting. And I spoke that fee that has been my bright, happy fee for years. And now it feels <laughs> like, yeah, like, Ooh, that's, that is the, that is my primary signal that, Oh, it's, it's time to increase the fee again. And it's like, I have like, really many honey. Ugh. Okay. But I get, I get the feeling it's no longer aligned. It's no longer, it's no longer right. And that's just how, you know, it's like self-betrayal is, is and not valuing yourself is not going to make 
your money, honey, happy. Just like if you love somebody, you've got your best friend and you see him or her just making horrible, like self-negating choices and how hard that is to be with. Imagine that's how your money, honey feels like when you're self-destructive. It's like, oh God, I can't, it's just breaking my heart. I can't be with that. So don't, and there's a lot of this in my industry of personal development of charging to impress. There's a, there's a, just a shocking amount of just, let's call it what it is, greed. Mm -hmm. In my spiritual, personal development community of coaches. Uh, so that's not what I advocate for. I, I always- Do it just right, right? Spiritually look at yourself and do what's right. Charge what's right. Yeah. Or, and, and look at yourself through the eyes of your money, honey. Because your money, honey, is going to have a better view of you than you do. And so pick the loving choice that lights her up. And I'm, because I'm looking at you, I'm just going to guess that yours is going to be a woman who adores you. Thank you. And you just, what makes her feel like a queen to your king. And that's, that's the number you go with. I love that. I love that. Let me ask you this. Uh, where we are running low on time and I appreciate everything that you shared today. I, I want to say for our audience, if they want to contact you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you and contact easy, you? Easy, easy. MorganaRay.com. Take a look at my name, make it one word at a.com. Everything is there at my website, my four-part money magnetic video series, my does money love you, money love quiz, self-assessment, uh, my book, and my blog with years and years and hundreds of articles and videos on money monsters and money honeys and relationship with money. So, and if you want to coach with me or you want to go, sorry, guys, if you want to go on my money goddess, open to women only retreat, <laughs> you know, that's where you find it. MorganaRay.com. Great, great. Morgana, I want to thank you so much for sharing everything and all your insight today and, and just being able to take a topic that so many of us, some of us fear it, some of us respect it, and some of us admire it, but being able to decipher it and break it down in such a way where we can really look at it and take a reevaluation of our own relationship with abundance, money, and love within our own selves. And I think that that's just so pivotal. I just want to thank Morgana for coming on the show today and sharing extremely helpful and valuable information to us regarding what we would consider to be our money monster and how to conquer that money monster in order to, to get what we really need in our lives, which is love and have a, a balance of those dynamics to achieve love, lifestyle, and legacy. For any of you who feel confused or frustrated in your own life about what to expect when you're let down about something, when you're, when you're giving a hurdle or a setback and you keep thinking that your financial relationship with yourself or with others is strained, Check out Morgana's website, MorganaRay.com. I think you're going to find some valuable information and, and guidance and life advice. And one of the things I love about doing this show is having someone as special as Morgana coming on the show, sharing her specific life examples, anecdotes, and things that have worked for her and her clients. The groundbreaking approach that she's uncovered today and making everything very love-centered and, and looking at the world from the, from the lens of acceptance and, and finding your ability to really delve deeper. That's what, that's what matters. And, and for me, it's important that six-step process is something that I think you should 
rewind on this episode and listen to it one at a time. I think she went right very artfully through those six steps to consider and look at. And I think that's just pivotal for us. So highly recommend Morgana Ray to anyone interested in wanting to know more about living your best path possible. Her book, Financial Alchemy, 12 Months of Magic and Manifestation is available on her site, on Amazon and on other vendors as well. Definitely look at this information, consider it and ponder on it. Because the more you can increase your relationship with your money, honey, as Morgana calls it, the more you can look at investing in yourself and taking stock of things and sorting things out, the more successful your relationship will be with yourself, with others, and with your financial success in the future so that you can achieve love, lifestyle, and legacy. Thank you so much. Stay positive when you're positive. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast.